Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy. I'm Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife. He's James Hardigan. Happy Thanksgiving, Joe. And I say that because I get to celebrate Thanksgiving in the U.S. for the first time ever, and I get to celebrate it with you. That's right. Are you excited? I am, genuinely. We got a lot. We, it's, it's a scene. It's a whole scene. We'll recap that next week. Coming up on today's show... If you couldn't tell by the fact that nobody shut up about it on social media for like four <laughs> straight days, James and I went to FFing One and we got the VIP treatment and we worked our butts off. But yes, we also did get the VIP treatment and it's time for us to tell the tale. And that's it. That's our whole show today. And that's going to be enough. Trust me. All right. You say it's the whole show, but we do have a guest. We do have a guest, but it's related. One of the invited guest influencers who was there with us in Bakersfield, host of an F1 podcast called P1, is Tom Bellingham. And Tommy, as we call him, has decided to do a little podcast crossover today, and he'll be with us on the show in just a little while. I'll be very interested to hear Tommy's thoughts on the race, because I thought it was incredible, but you're always going to be kind of biased when it's the first race you've ever been at to someone who's been there seen it done it who knows the sport inside out i'll be interested in his take on the las vegas grand prix yeah you'll get the amateur opinion from me and james and the expert opinion from tommy when he's here later on uh this week's super fan is mark rovers and we're doing the big short more on that later on uh why waste any time though let's just start talking why don't we start with Discord, because we've ignored it for a couple of weeks, and there's a couple okay. of interesting comments on the uh, podcast discussion channel on the Pokestars Discord server, which we link to in the podcast description. Let's start with uh, JRob89, who says, still can't get over the fact that my worlds collided in Vegas with people like Matt and Tommy driving one of the Grand Toro cars, and then seeing you guys in their videos, seeing them in your clips and stuff, lol, can't wait to hear about your further F1 experiences, guys. Number one. One, you're going to hear That's about so those cool. experiences on this episode. Number two, you are going to hear from Tommy on this week's episode. So your worlds will continue to collide. Um, that is really, really cool. That's awesome. And then material, Joe, for a future podcast, courtesy of The Growler, Please, can we talk about episode five of Good Ship Murder? They have a three-day, <laughs> five-player poker game called the Global Poker Stars Invitational Tournament. 40 minutes of hilarity. Is there an award for the worst poker scenes ever made? This is a shoe in You could run a giveaway for anyone who could find any accuracy. <laughs> this sounds like something we absolutely have to see. And first in responding to that is Strag, who is almost apoplectic with rage that they actually called it the Global Poker Stars Invitational. Maybe the lawyers will get involved at this rate. Yeah, I feel like probably not, but that is weird. That is weird that Poker Stars name would be used without us having any involvement at all. I, I, I've got one quick non-F1 funny story I want to tell. Before we get into it. So we're at a charity event, which we'll get to later, uh, related to all the stuff we were just doing. When I get a request to do another charity event and uh, it is from uh, I won't I won't name anyone involved in this yet, but I'll just say the organizer of the event sends me this very frantic email that says, I'm doing 350 things at once. Can you please call me? And 
they're already asking me a favor to come do this thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a huge celebrity. I don't need like a lot, but like, you know, maybe just let me call you back at my leisure. So I step away from this event and call the organizer and they're like, so we were thinking, uh, thanks for saying you'll play, by the way, I'm buying you in personally. I don't, we don't do comps and I'm like, okay, fine. Thanks. And they go, um, so we were thinking as your prize that we would give away at, at like an hour poker lesson with you. And I go, look, if the person who wins this event or, or you know, wins this prize is like at all an incompetent poker player, a, a, an hour poker lesson with me is not going to be appealing at all to them. Um, and, and she goes, well, I thought you were a professional poker player. And I'm like, no, I, I'm not a professional poker player. I do poker commentary on television. And she goes, oh, well, what's your Hendon mob ranking? What's your Hendon mob ranking? And I go, oh my God. I, I don't know, a, a, in the hundreds of thousands. And, and then she goes, well, what's your total earnings? And I go, I, I don't know, like 12,000. And then she goes, oh, so you're. So you're not a professional poker player. I'm like, no, I just said that. I just told you I'm not a professional poker player. And she's like, well, Mosin Charania is a professional poker player and he's playing. And I'm like, I, I know that you told me that when you asked me to do this. I I'm not really sure what to tell you. I was very clear up front with what I could do. And so I'm, I'm part of the reason, James, that I spent so much of last week collecting all the swag. You saw me. Yes. Anywhere there was free stuff being like, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. And people were like, do you really need this? Do you re-? I'm putting together a swag bag of all the shit that I collected at F1 to be my prize just in case the person who wins it is at all a competent poker player and does not need, does not need a lesson from the 298,000th ranked player on the Hendon Mob. I will be giving them hats and T-shirts and card protectors, and I think I, I managed to swipe an all-in triangle. So there's going to be some kind of cool shit if you're a poker fan, and if they desperately want an hour of my time, they can have it. Wow. Uh, well, that segues perfectly into what happened in Vegas last week. So previously on Poker in the Ears, on the last episode, we talked about everything that happened during the big game casting, the filming of those TV shows and the NAPT and the live streams we produced. And we teased you with the fact that Formula One week had started with a bang with Joe and I making that trip to Bakersfield for the Grand Toro Poker Night. So picking up on where we left off. Things really kicked off, Joe, when the Gran Toro arrived in Vegas, because that's when the team from Oracle Red Bull Racing arrived at the win, and that's when things really ramped up with the launch party, and we really saw the genuine build-up towards the Las Vegas Grand Prix. And we had been at the launch party the night before we recorded the last podcast, which is why we both sounded a little rough, even though we both left super early. Um, we've now had a couple of days to recover because things did not slow down. It was an exhausting few days, uh, but an incredibly rewarding few days, all because, as we've said before, PokerStars, an official partner of Oracle Red Bull Racing, and for the first time ever, PokerStars wasn't just on the halo of the car. PokerStars was on the wheels of the car. Those wheel covers, made to look like poker chips, were super cool. And when we first saw them, I don't think either of us realized they were actually going to be on the cars driven by Max and Checo. Uh, not Yeah, so when you say the wheels of the car, um, PokerStars is on the steering wheel and the outside, wheel, outside wheels. 
And yes, I, I, I mean, I, I did assume they were going to be on the wheels of the car. I did not understand how cool they were going to look. Um, you know, obviously you can't read the words poker stars when they're spinning at 220 miles an hour, but they looked awesome. And we got lucky. There was like a bunch of really great shots of them too. Like as the car pulled out of the garage or I don't know, they call it like took off from the starting line. Really, really cool stuff. And what was cool is we got to give away a bunch of those wheel covers throughout the course of uh, the weekend also. And look, I, I would have loved one. I would have loved to hang it up right here in my background and have one of those poker stars wheel covers, but uh, I was not lucky enough to win one. So, the party we managed to get into, even though our names were not on the list, to be fair, no one's name was on the list. But what's amazing is because Joe and I were dressed up for the evening, um, they somehow believed that we belonged there and somehow we got in. Um, that was okay. So, it's my biggest nightmare anytime I'm going to a club, yeah, especially in Vegas. Like, they go, Your name's on the list. I'd say, like, in my later in life, it's got the percentages gone up, but it used to be like, 80% no one's ever heard of me when I show up. 20% oh yeah, everything works out fine. When I go to a place like this and my name isn't on the list, I'm like, that's okay, I'll go home. And this was the first time ever. I I, w- I wasn't rude by any means, but I was like, no, my company like has a pretty big thing to do here. Like, We're going to figure this out. You're going to find my name eventually. And that didn't have to happen. They seriously were just like, we trust you. We're going to let you in. And and luckily, because I would have just gone home. That's my MO in that situation. I don't stand outside the club being like, please let me in. Please, can I come to your party? I'm like, nah, I'm good. Well, as previously referenced, we were in the party, but we did leave relatively early. Then Thursday, so now we really get into Formula One weekend, right? Which is the Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Normally, it would be the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But because this was a night race on Saturday, everything was brought forward by a day. So Thursday... We get up early in the morning to record the podcast, and then we have the first of the charity tournaments at Resorts World. So every day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there was a 2 p.m. charity event. But on that first day, on that Thursday, there was also a VIP event. This was for all of the people who were on the Grand Toro, some of the other VIPs who were in Vegas, and some members of the Red Bull team themselves. You don't want to tell people about how he crashed the photo with Christian Horner? Well, that had already happened by the time we recorded <laughs> last week's podcast. But Christian is coming up because he was one of the people who made a brief but meaningful appearance at this VIP tournament, Joe. Yeah, this VIP tournament was really cool. Um, there were some. It was a free roll. It was some excellent prizes were given away, of which we mixed up, mixed up a little bit. Not our fault, necessarily. But we announced at the beginning of this tournament that we were giving away an autographed race-worn suit autographed by Max Verstappen, a pair of shoes autographed by Sergio Perez. Excuse me. And then third place is the one of the wheeled covers, right? Was, yes. was what it was supposed to be. Eventually, we realized that the race suit was Sergio Perez. The shoes were Max Verstappen, and we were going to be auctioning off the Max Verstappen race suit. More on that later. Yes. Um, this tournament was fun. I did not expect that either of us would actually get to play. I thought that we were just going to be comparing, but there were some free seats. So Joe and I jumped in. I had the pleasure of sitting next to Hank Azaria at one point, played alongside Maria Konnikova at one point. And then when that table broke, 
I got moved to a table that just happened to have two empty seats at the point that the VIP guests arrived. So first in was the Red Bull Racing Team principal, Christian Horner, and it was clear he was only going to be available for like 15 minutes. So he was only going to play a few hands and was going to be pretty much all in every hand. He took the one seat at my table, and then five minutes later, former driver, now Formula One TV presenter, David Coulthard, arrived in the room, and he took the eight seat at my table. And I'm like... This is pretty cool. So I've got to do the whole kind of selfie thing. And then Maria, bless her, Maria Ho very kindly agreed to grab my phone and shoot some video of the fact that I got to play poker against these two guys. And I would, would have busted Christian Horner in a hand, having called his all-in with ace-10 if the player behind me hadn't also called with ace-queen and busted me as well. But that's not important. What's important <laughs> is I got to play a hand of poker against Christian Horner. Your table was a real circus during those 15 or 20 minutes. And Dude, I looked behind me and I realized that there was cameras everywhere, like professional photographers, videographers, and everyone else was, was on their iPhones. Yeah, it was very cool that we got um, Christian's time uh, multiple times throughout the course of this weekend. He showed up to a lot of stuff, always had a good face on, always seemed like he was having a good time. I can't imagine what it'd be like to be preparing for a race like that and then then be like okay now you got to go play a tournament a poker tournament for 20 minutes so um I, I really thought he was a pretty good sport i was tasked with while this was happening setting up prop chips for him and dave to come sit and have photos taken after he was done playing actual poker they're like hey stapes you're not doing shit right now why don't you set up some like uh Basically, you know, the way they set it up for like when someone wins a poker tournament. Yeah, yeah. We set up some cards and some chips. And of course, luckily, Danny Maxwell was there who knows how to take these sorts of photos and make them look good. So we worked together on that while you got to play poker. I'm a little jealous you were at that table because my celebrity at my table was Frankie of Next Gen, who, um, you know, I'm sure is going to be a real big deal one day. But he was taking the poker really seriously. It's very hard and to take poker seriously when you're, you've got 10 big blinds after level two because it's going quite quickly. Yeah, and you know, that's his job. He's a poker player. And the thing that made me maddest was that he wasn't even doing any content. I'm like, if you're going to sit here and like and fuck with me and try to bust me in this tournament, at least put me in your goddamn vlog. And he is the person who busted me. Do you want to hear the hand? Please tell us the hand history, Joe. We did promise that there'd be at least one hand history on this episode because Joe and I did play a fair amount of poker last week. It was limped like five ways. I was in the big blind with 3-4 offsuit. The flop came queen 5-6. Okay, we have a straight draw. We have a straight draw. Uh, it checked all the way around to Frankie. It was to my direct right in the small blind. Frankie bet. Um, I called deciding that I was going to shove the turn no matter what. Uh, the turn was a 10. Uh, Frankie <clears throat> bet again, and I shoved for like, I don't know, 15 big blinds. It wasn't a small stack, but it wasn't big either. Um, Frankie tanked for a while, at which point I said, get your camera out. Get your goddamn camera out. I want at least you're going to bust me. I at least want to be in the vlog. And I thought that this would be like showing strength, talking a lot, saying I want to be in the vlog. And because uh, I never talk in hands unless I have it. And uh, unfortunately, Frankie had Queen 10 and had improved on the turn. There's really no way he could fold. 
and uh, I missed the river, and I was out. I, I think I played about three hands. So there you go. There's a hand history for you. Thank you, Joe. Uh, we had to speed up this tournament, by the way. Frankie made the final table. I think he eventually went out in fourth place. Oh, no, he was the runner-up. He was the runner-up yeah, in the tournament. Second. He did finish yeah. second. You're right. Um, but to be honest with you, it became a bit of, I mean, it was already a bit of a turbo shovelment before that, but we really needed to speed it up because we had a deadline. We had to get over to the course itself and we had to find uh, the Red Bull Racing Hospitality Suite where Joe and I were going to be based on all three nights for qualifying practice uh, and for the race itself because we had responsibilities i mean look it was a, a relatively easy gig the rest of the time was Pretty a lot easy, of fun yeah. but obviously we had to get there um we didn't know obviously that it was going to be a short night um anyone who was following <laughs> the formula one in vegas may be aware that practice night did not go according to plan i think cars were on the track for all of seven minutes before a drain cover damaged Carlos Sainz's ferrari i think it also damaged esteban ocon's alpine as well but crucially Practice was then cancelled or at least postponed until two in the morning while they found a solution to all of the drain covers along the track. Well, that, that was the weird thing about it was that it was pretty unclear what was going on, right? At first, it was unclear what caused the damage. Then we heard what that was. Then it was we were told the second session was canceled. Mm. Everyone should go home. Then they literally, after we left, they literally shut the entire place and then after that happened, I think they decided, okay, we're going to have a second practice anyway. So that was a – look, I know it's probably disappointing to a lot of people. That made it very interesting for me. Oh, how do you handle this? Oh, what are they going to do? I, I guess what we heard on the night was they were going to go around and pour cement over all of the drain covers in the entire track. It ended up being sand rather than cement. But, yes, they basically filled – they removed all the covers and filled them to avoid a repetition of that problem that occurred during first practice. I mean, practice. how much fucking sand? I mean, they had to get those guys from Barry, probably, right? I mean, if you need... How much sand does it take to fill in a manhole? That's all. I've, it seems like a, I have no truck. idea. It, it seems like a big job, and it was a big job. It took a few hours, which is why second practice didn't occur until 2 in the morning or 2.30 in the morning. But... I really... I have to be honest with you. I felt for the teams and I felt for the drivers because everything was super late. You're doing... You know, second practice at 2.30 in the morning. Qualifying was at midnight the following day. The race itself was at 10 p.m. And you could tell everyone was a little bit blurry-eyed and the drivers had no idea whether they were coming or going. Um, and I think that is something they will probably have to improve on next year is trying to move everything a little bit earlier. I know that's going to cause even more inconvenience for the people of Las Vegas, but it was not ideal situation, ideal circumstances for any of the drivers or any of the teams. But because we realized that that second practice wasn't going to go ahead, we left relatively early and were back at like, what, I'd say 11.30 that night. It was certainly this side of midnight. Yeah, it was, it was, but we were exhausted. It was still um, a really, really long day. I think we had shown up to the poker room at noon uh, or a little before noon for we, that first. And, and again, to highlight, Joe, we've been up at seven o'clock that morning for the podcast for you guys. Right. There we go. I forgot about that, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah, it was still a full on day. I was a little happy about the fact that we got home by 1130 at night. Because uh, we had basically a repeat of the same day the next day. Correct. Friday uh, and Saturday, 
both days the same tutorial at noon charity tournament at two and then over to the, the suite and the, the one thing i'm going to say about the the friday joe is this was the day where i hit the vegas wall it is a thing when you have been in vegas for inverted commas too long you just hit this brick wall and you just feel like you can't get out of bed and you just can't do anything and that's what happened to me on friday just complete mental and physical exhaustion. And I did not know how I was going to get through that day. So was this the day that I went down early? And, yes. Or you you okay. went down at noon. And I, I went, think a few people turned up for a tutorial, right? They did, yes. And they slowly trickled in. It was cool. Like even teaching one or two new people how to play the game, especially these were women mostly. Um, really, I, I take that as a privilege, to be honest. Um, and I'm glad it's me in a lot of ways that gets to teach people because I would not want someone to have a bad experience learning how to play poker for the first time. So those folks did, uh, did learn to play. There was another charity event. This one was not a VIP free roll. This is a $200 event where half of the buy-in went to wings for life, the official charity partner of Red Bull racing. And uh, not only were they playing for that half the prize pool, but it was race tickets for that night. Um, yes. Some really nice, I believe, for the hospitality suite, right? Correct. Where we were? Correct. And um, I don't know why, but I ended up late regging for only 10 big blinds. I must have gone for, to, like, take a break or something in no, between the tutorial. No, no, While I was playing a poker tournament, Joe, you were off playing a slots tournament. That's why you had to slots late reg. Slots tournament. That was it. I had won 18 entries into the slots tournament, and every entry takes three minutes. And I realized it was taking so long that eventually I started doing two entries at once. So the way a slots tournament works is you get three minutes and you just smash the button as fast as you can to try to rack up a score. I realized I was not going to finish in time, so I started playing two machines at once, and uh, it was barely worth the carpal tunnel. I did end up finishing 11th in the slots tournament for $50 in free slot play. More on slots later. Well, just to interject, I managed to experience the joy of a slots tournament on Saturday um, because I was utilizing the 15 tickets of a mutual friend of ours and <laughs> on the second ticket got fourth and then realized wow. it's going to be hard to improve on that. So ditch the other ticket. So fortunately, only had to mash buttons for six minutes rather than 30. Did, did fourth hold? Yes, it did. It was definitely wow, a top 10 right. spot. Definitely a top 10 payout for sure. Um, but yes, that's why you late rage, Joe. But it worked out for you, right? Because you made the final table. Yes. You got down to the final four along with professional poker player Sergio Aido. Yes, yeah, so I late rage for 10 big blinds. James happened to be sweating, with me, sweating me when I got it all in with two sevens against like three other players. And uh, not only did they hold, but I turned a set. And uh, I needed it because I got out flopped, turned a set of sevens. It was always coming. And I quadrupled up on that hand and was able to sort of just fold my way to the final table after that. Now, because late reg was open so long, people were registering at the final table left and right. Well, mostly Sergio Aido, who really wanted to win those, those seats to the race. And to be honest, that's the whole point of a charity event. Someone buying in over and over and over again. That's what you want. You want someone making that donation over and over and over again. A little bit annoying for the other people, you know, who kind of wanted to get there on one bullet, who maybe weren't as rolled as hard as Sergio. But again, it's a charity event. The person who makes all those donations should have a slightly better chance of winning. Now, here's what happened, though. 
I'm at the final table. Top four spots are paid. Number one spot is tickets. I'm not going to lie. I would have liked to win the tickets. We could have given it to a friend. I could have had my girlfriend come out. There was still time that night. Um, but what happened was while I'm playing, I got the call. Yeah. I got the call. We basically were both approached about the fact that there was the opportunity to attend a meet and greet with Max Verstappen. And as much as I wanted to go, to refer back to the fact that I've hit a wall and just I'm just feeling terrible, I'm like, qualifying is at midnight. We have to be over at the hospitality suite for 10 p.m. And I don't think I'm going to make it. So I decided to opt out and I went to bed. So I was asleep while all this was happening. And can I say, even though I missed out on the experience you're about to recount, Joe, probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Because by going to sleep for a couple of hours in the evening, I was fine for the rest of the trip. Had I not done that, I probably would not have made it to race night. I did not do that, obviously. Star fucker that I am. I was like, Max first, uh, I will be there. What time do I have to be there? And they say you have to be there at 6.45. And it was 4.15 when I was told this. Now there are about eight people left in this poker tournament. The blinds were going super fast. And I was like, I think I have a chance. I can win this and maybe still make it or, or cash in this, whatever, finish in this. Sure. And then still make it in time for this. So what happened was as we got to about four-handed, I realized that this was not going to end in time. And so I brokered a four-way deal that everyone was going to get slightly better than third place money. Uh, everyone took home 750 bucks, which was annoying for Sergio because he was in for about 1600. I was in for only 200 though. So I was happy with that. And then I took my chips out of play. I was like, you can just take my chips out of play. I got to go. Thanks for the money. Someone else can enjoy the tickets. I'm already going to the race. I wasn't sure how it would work if I won the tickets anyway. Unfortunately, Someone else in the top four was also part of our group traveling to meet Max Verstappen that night, and he did not surrender his chips and ended up winning the tournament, but put us in grave danger of missing this event. We didn't get out the door until 5.20. Now, that seems like enough time to I get from Resorts World to the race. It is not. When you consider the road closures... When you consider the fact that everywhere is gridlock, when you consider it's tough to get an Uber. So someone was like, hey, the shuttles are taking a long time. I suggest you leave now. And I was like, don't worry, we'll take an Uber. And the Uber got us there super, super fast. But I didn't realize, and when I gave the Uber driver 20 bucks cash for doing it, what I didn't realize is where the Uber took us to is not the location that I told him to. He took us to the shuttle location so we had to take an uber just to get to the shuttles so then we get to because the ubers can't get any closer no. so then we get to the shuttles and we're like what do we do how long is it going to take for the shuttle fill up should we just give the guy a hundred bucks and tell him to leave now the shuttle filled up very quickly and then the shuttle now is driving through traffic to get us close to where the shuttles drop off and we're not sure exactly we're going to the horseshoe which is close to where we need to go but we don't know. So the shuttle at one point drives past to where we're going into the horseshoe parking lot, further, 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 further away. And finally, I go, buddy, we're getting further from where we need to go. Can I give you 20 bucks? Can you just let us out right here? And he goes, no problem. He let us out. A bunch of other people let us out, at which point it is, it is the time we were supposed to be there at 645. And we know we're close, but now we run. 
Now we are running to where we think we need to go. And right as we get there, they go, we're sorry. We, you didn't make it. We, ha- we, had, a, we had to walk away. Uh, we had to close the doors. Um, sorry, you didn't make it. And we were like, but we're here. And they're like, are you sure? And we're like, yes, we're literally here. And they came back out. Max was running a little bit hot behind. They came back out. They gave us the VIP passes. We were able to go into where the waiting area was. I sat down in a chair and 30 seconds later, Max appeared. I happened to have been sitting in his seat. Very awkward. Well done, I got up, moved to the back. Now, can I give a shout out? I got to give some shout outs here. Our PR team was fucking unbelievable this entire weekend. How much stuff they coordinated, how many VIPs, how high pressure this was, how many moving pieces there were. They were fucking unbelievable. And they were all patient and kind the entire time. Second shout out goes to Tom, the person who does, who's the handler of us for Red Bull. And he was awesome and cool and calm. And Tom was like, Stapes, get back here. Hold on. That's Max's seat. But here's another one for you right next to Max. So I end up sitting next to Max for this Q&A. Now, if you guys have ever seen anything like this or ever seen like a press junket go wrong, you know these celebrities a lot of the time. It's like gunned to their head to be there. And they don't want to be there. And they're just doing it because they have to. And I assume that was the case for Max, but he did not act like it at all. He was very gracious, very kind, very friendly, answered our questions. There were a couple of like lulls where I think people were so uh, enamored by him or intimidated by him that there was like awkward silences, at which point I jumped in with a couple of dumb questions. He signed everybody's hats. He stood for photos. It was fucking awesome. It was worth it. I was sweaty the rest of the night. I had shin splints and leg cramps for the rest of the weekend because not only did I run this time, but I walked back and forth from the track to Resorts World, which was about two miles. I did that walk four or five times, um, but it was it was all worth it. The only funny, the funniest part though was when we got out of the Max thing. Me and Tiffany Michelle from Poker Org, we look at each other. We have these VIP badges on. We're like, well, I guess we get to, I guess we could just walk around here now, just check out the rest of the VIP area, and it's, we get three feet, and Tom's like, hey, hey. Get back here. Yeah. Don't get to keep these. What are you, idiots? We need this for the next group of people. <laughs> nice try. Nice try. And I felt very stupid for assuming I just got to be VIP for the rest of the day. So, meanwhile, I was asleep, uh, feeling refreshed, <laughs> feeling great, then made it to the hospitality suite for the evening's proceedings. So, every day, Joe and I hosted this competition. It was a spin-the-wheel competition. Everyone who was in the suite, and this is... Red Spade Pass winners, it's VIP guests, it's other partners of Oracle Red Bull Racing. When you went into the suite, you were given a playing card, and it was either a king, queen, ace, or jack, for one of those four cards. And what we would do is we would take to the stage, we'd spin a wheel, it was a virtual wheel on a screen, and if you had the winning card, you would get a prize. Very simple competition mechanic. That's what we were hosting every single day. The rest of the time, we were just hanging out, chatting to people, eating the excellent food, uh, drinking the complimentary drinks, and watching, as was that night, qualifying, which of course happened at midnight. So that was a tough one because qualifying finished around 1 a.m., getting out, everyone's leaving at the same time, there's crowds everywhere, 20-minute wait for a car, takes half an hour to get back. I mean, I was in bed at like 2.30, quarter to three that night, and had I not had that nap in the evening... I would have been just destroyed. So again, I want to salute my decision for missing out on Max Verstappen. 
Yeah, well, I, I I don't regret a single thing. And I'm a lot more used to operating on no sleep than you are, which uh, I mostly did for a, the entirety of this trip. But you know there's a difference between operating on no sleep and being fatigued and also when you've been in Vegas for maybe one day too many. And I know it sounds ridiculous, right? Because it sounds so overprivileged. Oh, you got to spend two weeks in Vegas. There is a cap. There is a limit on the amount Everybody of time. Everybody knows. Anyone who's ever been to Vegas knows what you're talking about. Yes. If you, if you don't know what james is talking about it's because you've never been to vegas there is no one that i have ever met that's like three days in vegas isn't enough and we're like on day 15 at this point yes anyway saturday race day again we have the charity tournament at two o'clock um at this point i just think i'm playing terrible poker i played another poker tournament after this and i played a cash session after this and realized i should not be playing i'm just Rule number one, don't play poker when you're tired. I broke that rule, and it was a mistake. I'm not playing great. Didn't last long in the charity tournament. But again, that meant I had some time on Saturday afternoon to play that slots tournament. Joe was playing slots, not a tournament. You were buffalo hunting. I was buffalo hunting. Now, James did get to witness this. James, before we went to that party at the win. We had a couple hours to kill, and I did the thing where I walk around, and I go, I think this machine looks a little lucky. Oh, this machine's in a plus EV state. And I ran 100 bucks up to what, 1600 or something while you watch, James? Yes. Impressive stuff. Uh, and by the way, I'm not claiming to be able to beat slots. I'm just saying I am lucky at slots. Yes, there's a couple of slot machines. We can tell when they're slightly in a better state than usual. It doesn't mean they're plus EV. It doesn't mean that slots is something that you can make a living at, but I'm just lucky at slots in my life. So there had been a machine that was teasing me all week. Now, granted, I was already up like 6K playing slots um, this week when I went to go play a little bit more after busting the charity event. And, uh, I, there was one machine I was waiting for it to pop off. It did pop off. It popped off for about 1200 bucks, and I decided that I was going to go play $50 spins on, an, on a Buffalo Link machine with my $1,200 profit. And I actually didn't say I, – I, the deal I made for myself was that I was going to put in 400 bucks and I was going to do eight spins. On my eighth spin – I hit for $12,000, $12,600. It was a huge thrill. They brought a brick, a 10K brick, my first time ever having like a band, I think is what they call it, and uh, pretty much ensured that I was going to leave that weekend with a profit. Now, I'm not going to lie. On the final night, James, you, after the race, we'll get to the race in a second. James, you mentioned we went to go play some poker. While... I was waiting for a seat at the poker table. I got a little stuck playing 100 hands of video poker at a time, um, which uh, I did lose. I did lose a significant amount of money back doing that, about $1,500, and had to go because I only brought a little bit out with me, so yeah. I wouldn't lose. Leave everything. the rest of the safe. I had to go to the ATM to have money to play poker with. But I did win at poker. I managed to run my five hundred, my four hundred dollar buy at poker up to like eight fifty or something. So I cashed out uh, a little bit more money there. By the way, I thought that the poker games at the Golden Nugget were wild, and I played one three at the win, had a profitable session. I played one three at Resorts World, had a profitable session. I sit down at a one two table 
at the Golden Nugget. And by the way, I do think uncapped games are bad overall for the poker economy. There's a reason why you cap the buy-ins in no-limit games. Because the game is uncapped, the table I sat at at the Golden Nugget, there was at least one guy at the table had 5k in front of him. Wow. Everyone else had like stacks of black. There was not. A, I was I was in for like $300 and everyone else had me like 10 to 1. I mean, it was ridiculous. Oh, and the my game- table, my table was all people that like were buying in for two and three hundred, and then would rebuy for two or three hundred. And I actually felt kind of bad because it was clear there were a lot of new players at my table who like guys that were like picking up their cards to look at them, sort of stuff. And all I had to do was like value bet against them, and they paid off everything. So I ended up getting like I ended up winning a, a decent chunk of change in a very short amount of time. Well, seat draw. Um, my table was insane. Um, you could not get to the flop for less than $75. Just a reminder, this oh is a God. $1, $2 blind game. And I saw a heads-up pot for $1,800. And I'm like, uh, this table is not for me. So I folded, table change. I folded for a couple of orbits, asked for a table change, got to sit with a couple of colleagues of ours, was a bit more comfortable, but then just, as I said, wasn't really mentally there, didn't play particularly well, and dropped about 100 bucks in that game no big deal. But we fast-forwarded because that was the final night. That was the Sunday night. We were talking about the Saturday night after the charity tournament, after Joe's big slots win. We make our way to the hospitality suite for the final time, host our final spin-the-wheel competition, and then we get to see the race itself. And just to be clear, we were on Koval, which was on, I want to say, turn two or turn three, right at the start of the circuit. So after that opening... I think it was three. Yeah, so after the opening... You know what, let's ask Tommy later. He would know. He would know. Uh, But what we did see is the consequences of after it was lights out, and on that first turn where Max overtook Leclerc and pushed him off the, 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 the grid, then, of course, we saw the cars come around and you saw all 20 cars go past at high speed. And it was just an intense, loud, insanely enjoyable experience to capture on film. It was awesome. It was super, super fun. The atmosphere. Look, let's not neglect the fact too, that the team we're repping won the race and Sergio Perez, who we didn't have exactly high hopes for because he finished, he started so far back almost eked out a second place finish, but for the team you're there representing to take first and third, also a hugely gratifying, happy thing to be around, right? We didn't have to be around a bunch of disappointed people in the hospitality suite. And don't forget the game within the game is that we did have to host this spin the wheel competition one more time. And the thing that I didn't mention earlier that I said we'd get to is when we tried to auction off that Max Verstappen, race-worn jumpsuit autographed, they wanted me to put a reserve on it, meaning that the lowest bid was $15,000. And as a joke, I wrote my bid first to kick things off at $15,000. Be like, hey, Joe Stable bid $15,000. Who's going to outbid him? Well, no one outbid me that first day. Whoops. So I was kind of scared that I was going to be on the hook for this suit, which turned out, not to be race worn, and which a is a difference. huge difference in the value. For, so, for example, here's a question: Then the yeah. suit that Max wore in the Vegas Grand Prix, which was the white suit modeled on the kind of Elvis suit, and he wins the race. If that came became available, if that was at auction, that's worth serious money, right? 
Yeah, that's six figures for sure. That's like, you know, probably in the one to $200,000 range, maybe yeah. higher, considering yeah. the Vegas one is so rare. So uh, my bid of 15000 we didn't necessarily want that to stand. I don't know that I would have been on the hook for it anyway, but so we did auction that off. We did make it clear that I was not race-worn and a very happy, lucky fan ended up bidding $15,800 for it. And before... We we got his information. I was like, "You're clear. This is a, a like you know replica suit, not race worn." He's like, "Yes, I have a couple other suits. I love it. I'm so excited to have it." So it just felt like, and so that was for charity, right? So we raised fifteen eight for charity. We gave away a wheel cover uh, to a woman who had been there who had been there all week, I believe. Her husband had also won a wheel cover they were earlier in the week. This couple were Red Spade Pass winners, or rather one of them was a Red Spade Pass winner, the other was the plus one. But yes, he was the third place finisher in the VIP charity event, so got the signed wheel cover there. And then she won the random draw on the final night, so she got a signed wheel cover as well. So they've got two that they can put on their Ford Fiesta when they get home. I am glad that you brought up the Red Spade Pass winners and the Gold Pass winners because... That was also one of the best things about this trip. Not only did we get to experience all this stuff that we're telling you about, that we're bragging about, that was life-changing for us. Imagine being a person that does not work in this world, a person who does not look up. We're kind of spoiled. I get to attend relatively VIP events relatively regularly, once or twice a year. I get to go to something really cool. To be able to be there for these people, with these people, who slowly, over the course of the weekend, were like, hey, we're really big fans. We just didn't want to weird you out, or we didn't want to make things weird. Is it okay if we ask for a photo? To be able to be there for them and to help them experience that was really maybe the best part for me, honestly, to have been a, a part of a life-changing moment for these people, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I really, really enjoyed and appreciated that as well. So I hope that these gold pass and red spade pass experiences continue. Yes, because I like going on them, but I also like being able to contribute to that prize as well. So should we talk about the actual race then, Joe? Because yes. we are going to need an expert's opinion on this one because we're just two people who pretend they know about poker. Uh, we are thrilled to be joined by one of the guys who made that trip from San Francisco to Vegas on the Grand Toro. And he got to play poker a couple of times on that trip. He's one half of Matt and Tommy, one of the hosts of the P1 podcast, Tom Bellingham. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, guys. Is, is P1 just like what it sounds, F1, but a podcast? Basically, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Very good. <laughs> the most important question to ask, the key question to ask, is what did you, as an expert, think of that race? Uh it was amazing. Uh, one of the best races of the year. Um, got, got off to a shaky start, I'd say, um, with the circuit problems and stuff. But, oh, my word, did the race deliver. And, yeah, it was an incredible show. Um, the race was was brilliant. So much entertainment uh, in a year that's not been the most exciting, I'd say, where some of the races yeah. haven't been great, to say the least. Um, not particularly competitive as a season, for sure. No. Uh, and, of course, the same guy still won, but uh it at least you know it it changed a lot and didn't know he was going to win for quite some time so but it wasn't a runaway victory and the other observation i would make as a, as a layman is that i know that some of the street circuits i'm thinking probably most of monaco don't really lend themselves to a lot of overtaking this one did yeah absolutely i mean you've got 
the enormous straight on the um the strip of course and you know i also read somewhere that because it's a bit cooler and colder at night it means the slipstream is a lot stronger than normal oh, so wow. i think that made the racing even better so if cars were you know like we've seen so many times this year max Verstappen gets into the lead and then he can just disappear but because the slipstream was so good it made it made the other cars keep with him and i think that's why you know he only won by a couple of seconds in the end. So there's a yeah. there's there's a bunch of things that happen in the race that I kind of want to get your take on. Let's just start at the beginning. That initial sort of dust up and like some minor collisions that happen. When that happens, you as a true F1 fan, is that exciting to you? Is that disappointing to you? What are you thinking when that goes on? Uh, we're thinking, yes, finally some chaos this season. Okay, um, all right. <laughs> so, uh, so we uh, like a little chaos as long as it's like not super dangerous. I assume we can. Yeah, cheer non-dangerous for... chaos is okay. great. Uh, and yeah, it was it was a a crazy start. You know, there were some guys at the back that started about seventeenth and ended up about fourth at the first turn. Uh, of course, it happened. We you know with uh, Verstappen and Leclerc as well. It was all kicking off there. It was. It yeah. was crazy. There was so much to watch on the first lap. Uh, my highlight, by the way, my highlight of the entire race was Max's reaction when he's told by control that he's got a five-second penalty for that overtake on the first turn, which was, fine, give them my regards. Yeah, absolutely. He knew exactly what he was doing, essentially. You know, they've, they've started putting their... Uh, the way stewarding has happened in Formula One, they've started to try and let the drivers be the the judge of whether they should let a position go back and avoid a penalty. And I think uh, Red Bull and Max were very much like, okay, we'll take the penalty and stay ahead. Thank you very much. And so I did have a question about, there was a, so when he pulled into the pit that absolved him of his penalty because he was no longer in first, is that what happens? Uh, yeah. So, so basically like if you have a five second penalty towards the end of the race, you will get it added onto your time. But if you still have to make a pit stop, you can take it in your pit stop. So the team, so you can drive into the pit lane and essentially the team can't touch the car for five seconds. They wait for five seconds, then do the pit stop, then they go. Got it. Okay. So that's why everything got evened out. Okay. Then it seemed like things um, through the middle part of the race, what are you focusing on? Like, obviously there were things that I could see as a first time observer, but during that sort of, I don't want to call it a lull, but during the time where where you know there weren't oohs and ahs, what what were you specifically focused on? Uh, well, I guess the the fact that um, Perez had made his way through the field and uh, sort of he he pitted on the I think it was maybe even lap one. Um, he got done damaged, his tire right? change. He got damaged, done his tire change, and of course you have to use two types of compounds. So essentially, Perez could make a make a tire change and in theory could go to the end but i think he made another another pit stop when we got that safety car and then when the safety car came out uh it very much hurt charles leclerc who uh maybe would have had a bit more of an advantage if it had gone uh into into a bit longer and then it was just a case of seeing between the three of them uh leclerc perez and verstappen who would uh come out and win and uh as has been the case a lot this year, it was Max. <laughs> so when I, another thing I was hoping you could explain to me, Tommy, is uh, talking about slipstreams, talking about overtaking. Is it a disadvantage to be in front of another car? It seems like you're kind of powerless when so is it, 
And does that come down to just having a better car or is it physics and, and science? Yeah, so on some circuits, you are fine. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Monaco, because it is yeah. almost impossible to overtake. So if you've got pole position uh, and you're leading the race, you've pretty much done 90% of the job or 99% of the job because uh, no one can pass you. But this track definitely was more difficult uh, when you are the leading car, it almost kind of felt a bit more like a, you know, oval racing or, or something like that, where you just get drafted by the other car and uh, and pass. So from that side, I think that's what made the track so good because, like I said, Verstappen's normally just checks out and see you later, goodbye. Um, but instead, you know, Leclerc led for a bit, then Perez led for a bit, then Leclerc got back through, then Max got through. Um, and I think that's why it kept swapping, just because of the the huge straight down down the strip, uh, which you know normally we don't see. Uh, the, the only other circuit with a straight that long is, is Baku, and that's had a similar a thing where a cars can be you know a second behind, which normally would be really hard to overtake, and they will be slipstreaming them down and and passing alongside by the end of the straight. So do you think that there will be a trend in the future to create more tracks that have this sort of ability for things to be a little bit more, a little bit less concrete going into the actual race? I hope so. There was a lot of people that maybe didn't like the circuit when it was first announced and looked at the track map and went, that doesn't look like an F1 track. Um, but I think in a way, like, breaking the norm a little bit has shown that you can get bet better racing by you know it, it may not be the greatest driver's circuit the the drivers love the the silver stones and the high speed corners and things like that whereas this this you know it's not many turns mainly long straights where for a driver is maybe not that uh, exciting but for the fans it's amazing because the cars are always close together and that's what we saw like the entire yeah. race and it looks incredibly quick on on tv which is always good because for a sport that is you know unbelievably fast sometimes the tv angles don't make it look that quick um but vegas looked spectacular i think just from the fact that it was you, you're flying past the buildings at night and you can you get that sense of speed more yeah and the fact that it was a night race just made it so special i just think if they could move the practice and the qualifying a little bit earlier in time yes, with the race please. time, I think that would help everyone, including the spectators, including the guests. So we've spent the last 40 minutes, Tommy, talking about our experience leading up to the race, what we called Formula One week in Vegas. I want to hear about your experience because you were part of the Grand Toro. Uh, you basically traveled from San Francisco to Vegas with a few stops along the way. You came to the win that night. You had the party uh, or the, the VIP charity event. I mean, can you encapsulate that experience in a single answer to a single question? Oh, it's it's very difficult. I mean, it was just mind blowing. I mean, some of the the views that we had on the, on the trip, you know, we'd never been to that part of America before, so it was incredible to to see the sights. And you know, Yosemite is just stunning. And then going through um, Death Valley as well, and seeing seeing the sights, you know, you were never short on views so what was essentially a very long road trip uh never got dull because essentially you just had these incredible like views the entire time and you know we we're we we're in a convoy together with a really great group of people and then 
yeah, uh, arriving in Vegas, uh, first time I'd been to Vegas as well. And we got there as it just got dark and all the lights were on. And yeah, it just looked so cool. And then what a, what a welcome from Christian Horner as well when we arrived. Yeah. So when you get there and you hop out of the car, Christian Horner is there. There's a ton of paparazzi. There's a ton of media. There's a lot of fanfare. Is that something you're used to as a podcast host of F1? I don't know how famous you are outside of <laughs> all of this. No, I mean, it was definitely uh, it was definitely incredible to to have that kind of greeting. Um, yeah, it was quite cool as well. Like we, we've got our, our podcast quite popular in America. So we've seen a lot of uh, people that that recognize us as well. And cool. we did a bit of a, a meetup in in Vegas, which a surprising amount of people turned up to, uh, to say that it wasn't um, it was in the middle of the day and we thought everyone might still be asleep. But um, yeah, it was uh, it <laughs> you got was people out amazing. before dusk in Las Vegas. You must be very popular. They must really like I know. Show. <laughs> I was very surprised. And I was also very surprised when um i think that was pretty much the only time on the entire trip uh when we were in vegas that i saw daylight uh pretty much and uh <laughs> boy the sun was uh i i did not uh i did not plan well wearing a black t-shirt and jeans for for that <laughs> yeah what you don't realize is that vegas in november you experience all four seasons in the course of one day you can't wear one outfit uh because you'll be cold at night hot hot in the afternoon it doesn't really work yeah, definitely. I definitely felt that. <laughs> so amongst the stuff you got to do, Tommy, and we talked about this on last week's podcast, was the poker game in Bakersfield. And then, of course, there was the VIP event when you arrived in Vegas. I'm interested to know, because it seemed to me you made deep runs in both tournaments. What is your poker experience? Were you a complete newcomer to the game, or have you dabbled before? Uh, so I used to, uh, back when I was at university me and uh my closest friends we used to go to each other's apartments uh, a lot of the time and play poker um and you know just put just a bit, bit money each and whoever whoever won took the money home that night um and i've not played all too much since then you know occasionally um and i think when yeah when we were were doing the poker tournament it all kind of came back to me uh playing quite a bit and stuff and uh yeah it's really good fun like especially the fact that you know we were getting to play against some of the you know the pros as well and people that do it get to watch them do their thing was was really cool and yeah it was a really enjoyable experience were there any um pros that you were aware of and or would have liked to interact with had you had the opportunity or are you not quite that uh, I did. I hadn't. Uh, I hadn't. I didn't know about them uh, beforehand. But we had. Um, so I'd, I'd met Ali in Monaco, <laughs> and he's a you know fantastic character. Like I was really looking forward to seeing him again when we went went to Vegas. Um, and then Maria was part of our trip, and we were you know we spoke to her her loads and uh, went to the casino with her a few times and stuff. And she's, she's great. And it was, it was cool, like playing against her as well and seeing what, what she does. And it was quite cool actually, when we were going to, you know, uh, casinos and things and everyone knew her and stuff. And it, it was quite fascinating to see that, that side of it. I still get that thrill hanging out with Maria too. Uh, people who are kind of like <laughs> kind of famous in the poker world rather than the formula one world. So you mentioned, meeting Ali in Monaco how many grand prix have you guys been to oh uh 
I'd say I'd say like that. So this year we've probably done about four, four or five. Um, normally we do, yeah, like two or three a year. Um, but this was this was the year I've probably done the most. But um, I think uh, I think it's a good level of of races. I think the people that do all of them are very hardcore especially the the people yeah. that now have to shift their time zone to abu dhabi this weekend is quite extreme isn't it <laughs> so yeah, i guess very. what i'm curious about is how did your podcast come to be um you know especially with your partner the whole thing like what's the origin story there uh so i started a formula one meme page back in 2010 <laughs> So a very long time ago. Uh, and sorry, uh, you're at what age then? Because you appear to be a very young person now. Yes, I'm. I'm surprisingly old. I'm 34, and a lot of people think uh, I look about 19, um, which is <laughs> fair. Did, um, did you did you get carded in Vegas? I did a lot. I actually even gave uh, my ID, and and I I said, "You'll be surprised. Guess how old I am." And she said, "18." And I was like. You're in for a shock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Almost um, twice that. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, so I, I started uh, a meme page a very long time ago. It grew into quite a big platform, uh, wow. and then and then basically uh, it became like this massive Formula One uh, media page uh, that I eventually sold to a company. Uh, Matt came on board in that company as well, and um, we essentially. Uh, you know, started a, a YouTube channel with it, uh, Instagram page, all that kind of stuff. We grew it to uh, a million subscribers on YouTube. Holy shit. Uh, which was crazy. And then basically wanted to do similar, but a little bit uh, less media side and more like fun experiences because we didn't get to do this kind of thing uh, because we were always sort of like the media side where we had to um, sit at home reporting all the time. Right. So at the end of last year me and matt made the decision to essentially leave that company start something new together uh, and we did that uh, at the start of this year and already um you know it's it's been absolutely insane we've had uh we actually just hit 10 million podcast downloads in our first nine months holy which is shit wow insane. <laughs> yeah so, so very very pleased so I guess having not experienced the sort of success you have had, but a, a rise of from relative obscurity to people knowing and actually caring what you think, what has that transition been like for you to the, where you could like make any joke or any meme or whatever it is and not really about who is going to see it? Now, if you say or do something that pisses someone off, they could find out about it, right? Or maybe they do. I assume most people who are of note do listen to your podcast now is that how do you handle that pressure yeah that's the hard hardest thing is knowing that you know naturally the bigger you get and the the more people listen there's always going to be someone that's offended by it or doesn't like things you say and stuff but i've managed to sort of it took some time but got used to it more but you do have those you like to think that people understand that it's you're just being like honest and we, we, we're never going to sort of like really go in on someone in a really harsh way. Like that's not what, what we do, but um, yeah, you do, you do want, it is surprising sometimes like how many people you kind of don't feel like they listen to it. And then you, you know, you meet people around formula one and they're like, Oh, I heard you talk about this. And I was like, Oh 
you know, when you, when you, when you, we went to like the Red Bull factory once and, you know, a couple of people, um, you know, talking about like, oh, you know, listen to all your podcasts. I'm thinking like, we've been nice about Red Bull, but they're winning a lot. So that's fine. You but start thinking about the teams, you go like, what, are, like, what all the things I've ever said? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And have you had any awkward encounters with anybody where you're like, ooh? Uh, thankfully, not yet. No. Um, so far, I've stayed out of trouble, which is good. <laughs> and, and, and what is the format of the podcast? What roles do each of you play? Is there like, you know, James and I have pretty clearly defined roles where I always say James steers the ship and I fire the guns. Um, it, it, you know, what is it just two guys talking? Do you have segments? How does that all break down? Yeah, so I guess Matt is the high energy uh, guy. I'm more kind of statistical and um, like know a lot about the history of Formula One and things like you that. You do the but nerd shit, basically. The nerd, yeah, I'm the nerd, <laughs> the resident nerd of the podcast. Um, but then also we have, uh, which kind of just happened accidentally, is I'm a big Max Verstappen fan. Uh, so my life is very easy right now. Uh, and Matt supports Ferrari, uh, and his life is not easy. So uh, <laughs> we get a lot of people that, um, you know, I think one of the most popular things on on is we also uh, stream on Twitch, and um, people know that when uh, Charles Leclerc or Ferrari have a problem, Matt's going to basically lose his mind and have quite an over-the-top reaction to it. And the race before Vegas, um, Charles Leclerc actually retired on the uh, formation lap. Uh, and I think it, it's, it's got to the point now where people know if something goes wrong with Ferrari, people will go, oh, I'm just going to go check, see what, what the stream is. And we had 9,000 people watching. Wow. And then it, ju it jumped up to 21,000 when Charles wow. Leclerc broke down on the formation lap. That's how they, like people just they, know to tune in to see his reaction. So they want to see his reaction and also potentially needle him in the chat, right? There's got to be a certain yeah. amount of trolling going on in that situation. So I mean, that that must have happened so much because basically isn't the cliche, it's like, oh, Charles Leclerc is, uh, is starting on pole, so uh, he'll be overtaken in the first lap. Yeah, I think Max Verstappen has more, well, way more wins from Charles Leclerc poles than... Uh, Charles Leclerc has won from pole. I think. <laughs> I think. Embarrassing. He's, I think he's now. I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, it was 12 in a row now that he's not converted pole position, which is James, quite crazy. Don't say it's embarrassing. What if Charles Leclerc listens to our podcast because Tommy? And now you get me in okay? trouble now. Yeah, don't say that. Um, so this leads me to like one sort of personal question I wanted to ask you. And if you don't, if you can't tell us exactly what happened, that's fine. But. Is that what was going on after practice night? We were waiting for an Uber. You guys were streaming on Twitch. And I couldn't tell if, like, I, I know that your broadcast abruptly ended. And I couldn't tell if you were joking or not because it was, like, stuff that we were doing in the background where you're like, we had to shut it down. First of all, were they tuning in because Ferrari had gotten fucked up a little bit that night? And two, what actually caused the end of your broadcast? Uh, it was the signal. Uh, we were Matt was trying to do it on his phone. The reception was pretty diabolical, and okay. yeah, we were we were. It wasn't you guys. We were just trying to. Uh, he was trying to stream, and then we've had this before. We had the same in Monaco, where you know we start to end up in like one forty four p, and no one can tell what on earth we're saying, and we all look like <laughs> Minecraft characters. I don't know if it then, went that low. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it didn't uh, didn't go to plan, but. It was nice to um, 
well it was it was cool being at the track um and we were saying as well they're like the experience was absolutely phenomenal uh, and unfortunately we can't do our normal twitch streams when when we're out and about and we wish we could have cloned ourselves because during the race me and matt were like i can't believe the only race that we've not done on twitch is the one where charles leclerc and max verstappen are battling for the lead which yes. is, would have been quite something so what at least you were able to sit back and actually enjoy the show it was to put this on is a what show. we yeah exactly this was this was why as I mentioned earlier, like this, one of the reasons we we left our odd venture and wanted to start something new was to basically like be our own bosses and say, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that this weekend. I'm going to have fun and enjoy myself. And we certainly did in Vegas. It was great. So if you ha- have you done an episode since then? And if not, what is that episode going to consist of? Yeah, so we did our, our race review podcast um, where essentially we like reflect on the race. I mean, there were moments like Matt's emotions were like up and down a lot with Charles Leclerc obviously leading and then he dropped back <laughs> and then he made a mistake. But then of course he made That's that move That's why we're talking to end. Tommy today and not Matt, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he's probably still sulking, but um, yeah, you know, we're just reflecting on, on the race and it is funny because we, our, our whole podcast kind of revolves around fan questions and things. And um, when we, were first doing it a lot of formula one fans weren't happy with the race in vegas and they were like almost like didn't want it to be successful and we're like oh this is why we're we racing here we should race at proper formula one tracks and all this and then the reaction after the race was just people being like oh i love this race now like this should be on the calendar for, for ages yeah. and stuff yeah yeah, there's still a few naysayers in the Vegas area who've had their entire lives turned upside down for the last six months. But, you know, I I, I think it's going to be, hopefully they can learn from some of the problems from this year and build on the successes. And I hope it's as successful an event next year. Um, Tommy, before you go, we have a high speed quiz in keeping with the theme of Formula One for you to take part in before you go. Joe, what game have you prepared for our guests? Uh, this game is called F1, more like F my life. It's the t- toughest f1 trivia game of all time oh no i usually make my games multiple choice but this time you're either right or you're wrong and keep in mind the pr team told me i couldn't embarrass you are you ready (laughs) okay an f1 car rolls along on how many wheels four yes which company has been the sole tire provider of f1 since 2007 uh pirelli two for two the documentary series drive to survive is available on what streaming service uh, Netflix. Yes. What type of fuel is used in a Formula One car? What type of fuel? That's right. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. Just fuel. <laughs> I don't know. Can I be a little like, more specific? Just, uh, I, don't, I, I literally don't know. I would have taken unleaded, high-octane, ga- okay, gasoline, okay, yeah, see. <laughs> E10. Okay. Who has the most wins? <laughs> in F- it was too easy of a question. He's like, ah, yeah, yeah. gas like, station Is this a gas. trick question? Who yeah, has yeah. the most wins in F1 history? Uh, Lewis Hamilton. Correct. What was the name of the 2010 documentary about Brazilian F1 driver Ayrton Senna? <laughs> uh, Senna. Correct. April 30th, 2023 was the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Spell Azerbaijan. A-Z-E-R-B-A-I-J-A-N. You got it. You got it. 
Six for seven. Not bad. <laughs> In the toughest Formula One quiz of all time. That's why you're an expert. That's why you have your own podcast. <laughs> Tommy, thank you for agreeing to come on this show. Uh, it was great to catch up with you and so glad you enjoyed the race. So glad you enjoyed your time in Vegas. Uh, hope to see you again on the circuit soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Tommy. As ever, we close out our podcast with our superfan contest, and we say hello to Mark Rovers. Hello, Mark. Hello, guys. What's Who that? are you? Yeah. Where are you? <laughs> yes, those uh, questions. I'm, <laughs> I'm a 37-year-old uh, professional poker player from the Netherlands. Mark, would you be on our radar? Uh, I'm not sure uh, how you mean. Uh, I, I play a, b a bunch of EPTs, but uh, I haven't won any yet. So <laughs> The name did sound familiar. So I'm guessing we've seen you on player lists, like when we've been scrolling the field on like day two of an EPT. But yeah. I believe that you come to us on this show via another poker player from the Netherlands who recently appeared on the podcast. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, one of my best friends in poker is uh, Wouter Belt. Aha! Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, one of my close friends. And uh, I, I once once he was on here, I figured I had to go also because, uh, well, uh, the, before I was just a listener, but uh, watching him go on, yeah, makes it easier for me. <laughs> I love the fact, Joe, that our balance of superfans now extends from IT professionals to people who are actually grinding the EPT circuit. Yes, and I give yeah. Mark a lot of credit for being a professional poker player and coming on as a superfan because I have a feeling lots of other professional poker players listen to the show but don't don't join as superfans. Well, yeah, well... Yeah, let me let me uh, tell you something about that. I, I've always been a fan first, you know. I've I've been a, a fan of of poker in general for a long time, and uh, I always watch all the streams and watch all the all the clips and stuff. So I, I'm super excited about poker in general. So I'm 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 a big fan of your podcast also. So yeah, I don't mind. I, I'm not that cool that I, I you know I like to admit that I, I'm a fan first. So. I, that's awesome, Mark. Thank you very much. And I would say that it seems the floodgates are open because we've now had Giraffe Ganger, Jack Sinclair, yourself, Walter. So maybe more poker players are coming out of the woodwork and saying, do you know what? I really want that $109 bronze power pass. I'm going to go on the podcast. <laughs> But of course, being from the Netherlands, Mark, you are going to have to compete for merch instead. But just very quickly, how did you end up in the wonderful world of poker? Where, where, what was your backstory before you became a, an EPT player? Uh, well, I, you know, it's a standard story, playing with friends, then moving yeah. up slowly. Uh, and I, I remember being in college and I, I was already making a decent amount of money, so I decided to give it a go after college and uh, that's been like almost 15 years now so uh i might go back to the normal world one day but for now <laughs> I'm, I'm perfectly happy uh, just grinding the normal world i've kind of forgotten what that's like um now you chose the movie the big short as your specialist subject now stat trek had a few well-earned days off post vegas so producer chris was tasked with compiling the quiz for All this right. week's show Chris was not happy. He did not like this what? movie. Wow. Uh, 
And I'm a little bit surprised. That being said, I remember when this first came out, this movie was what we in the UK would call a Marmite movie. People either hated it or they really appreciated it. I'm very much in the latter camp. I really enjoyed The Big Short, but a lot of people really, really loathe it. And clearly, Chris was one of them. Yeah, that's hard to imagine. Uh, for me, it's uh, yeah, like one of my top three favorite movies of all time. So uh, it's, it's so funny to hear that. that yeah, yeah people, that's yeah. super wild. Okay, so look, I also had a pretty crazy week in Las Vegas. Three weeks, uh, more or less, in Las Vegas. No time to watch anything. My first full day home was yesterday, and I was very busy, and I didn't finish the stuff I had to do till around 11.30 at night. And then I had to choose, do I want to rewatch The Big Short or do I want to get some sleep? And I remember this movie being so watchable and so fun that I put it on last night as I was going to bed and I was gripped for the entire movie. I was so happy to rewatch this movie. Is there a different The Big Short that maybe Chris watched that isn't Based this Based on movie? the questions... <laughs> I can see in front of me, it is the same movie. And all I would say, Mark, is that you've possibly made an error in choosing a movie that Joe was willing to stay up and watch rather than sleep, which means this might actually be a close contest. This is not a guaranteed win for you. Yeah, and the best part is I, I, I pulled a bit of a staple to myself. I, I didn't really get to rewatch it at all, so Uh-oh. I have to go from memory. So I think it's going to be a fair fight. Well, it's weird because okay. I don't mind beating professional poker player out of a bronze ticket. Well, you're not going to get one anyway. But then, like, some firefighter will come on or, like, some school teacher, and I'll just destroy them. So... <laughs> <laughs> The usual 10 questions, the usual multiple choice options if you need them. Mark, you get to go first. Please give me a number between 1 and 10. Well, it's always coming. Uh, let's five. Let's go 5. Ooh. It's always coming 5. Okay. <laughs> As explained in the movie, what is a subprime loan? Uh, whenever you hear a subprime, you have to think of dog shit. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's a really bad... Uh, loan really do you know what i'm going to give it to you it's loans to people who may have difficulty repaying but we all know what a subprime loan is we'll give you the two points and i'm going to give you the bonus question here what were subprime loans packaged into and there are no multiple choice options for the bonus question um uh c cdo's can you tell me what cdo stands for Uh, collateral debt obligation. I'm going to give you the bonus point. Excellent wow. work, Mark. Wow. And we have three points on the board as we come to Joe for the second question. Any number other than five? Uh, do I get the other bonus question or no? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Any other bonuses? Any other bonuses? That was the only bonus. Unlucky. Wow. <laughs> okay. Give me. I'll take number seven then. Okay. Christian Bale's character, Michael Berry, is missing part of his anatomy. What is it? His eye. Uh, Can you be more specific, please? Like a left eye or a right eye specific? Left eye. There we go. You said it first. I'm taking the first answer you said. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Two points. There you go. You both got a little bit of a mini mulligan on the first question. (laughs) So now things get serious as we enter round two. Uh, Seven five is gone. Mark, any other number? One. Number one, we go back to the very beginning. Who explains shorting in the film? 
uh, Margot Robbie. In it a is Margot Robbie for two points. <laughs> and Joe, you're up. Uh, okay, I'll go. I'll go ten. Go question ten all the way to the end. Wow. The Guardian's Peter Bradshaw gave this film how many stars out of five? See, if Chris didn't like it, he may have gone looking <laughs> for a reviewer that agreed with him. So I'm going to go with two stars. You nailed it. Two stars was the actual wow. answer. And wow. Joe gets the full two points. I love, love the poker logic that you used to reach the correct answer <laughs> in hell. that question. Mark, two, three, four, six, eight, or nine? Eight. The film was greenlit only if director Adam McKay agreed to make which other film? I read about this, but uh, uh, I, I forgot. <laughs> I can give you the options. Yes, right, let's do the options. Was it Anchorman 2, The Other Guys, Holmes and Watson, or Daddy's Home? I think it's Anchorman 2. It was Anchorman 2. So you are up 6-4, but Joe, it's your question. 2, 3, 4, 6, or 9? Uh, 4, please. Question number 4. Which global financial service declared bankruptcy after the subprime mortgage crisis? I'm going to say one out loud. It's not my answer. I'm just thinking out loud okay. here. Okay. I know Bear Stearns declared bankruptcy. But there were other ones that did too. That's the thing that's throwing me off. Multiple choice options are available yeah, should you need the, them. I gotta take the choices. Okay. Is it Lehman Brothers, Merrill Lynch, Goldman Sachs, or Morgan Stanley? Lehman Brothers. It's Lehman Brothers for one point. So Mark, you're still up by one as we go into Is it the penultimate round? It's the yeah, it is the penultimate round. Two, three, six, or nine? Uh two. Question number two. The film was based on a book of the same name, written by Michael Lewis. Can you name another of his books which was adapted into a movie starring Brad Pitt? I'll definitely need the options, I think, yeah. Is it Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Moneyball, hmm. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, or World War Z? I'm gonna go Moneyball. <laughs> it was Moneyball for one Come point. Come on, Chris, three, three fictions and one Non-fiction book in the choices? <laughs> Joe, three, six, or nine? Uh, give me six, please. Question number six. What song is played over the closing credit? And it says here, we will take the band name if you can't name the song. It's very generous. Uh, I'll take the choices. <laughs> okay, do you just want the choices of the bands or do you want the choices of the songs as well? I'll take the choices of the songs. Okay, is it Burning Down the House by Talking Heads, When the Levee Breaks by Led Zeppelin, Money by Pink Floyd, or All About the Benjamins, Diddy featuring the Notorious B.I.G., Little Kim, The L.O.X., and Stevie J. Can you, all right, I don't need the fourth choice again. Can you give me the first three? <laughs> Burning Down the House by Talking Heads, When the Levee Breaks by Led Zeppelin, or Money by Pink Floyd. I guess When the Levee Breaks? It is for one point. Okay, we're going into the final round. It's Mark, the only song I wouldn't points. have recognized, so I'm like, that's... <laughs> uh, I wouldn't have gotten that one, so... 
So you have seven points, Mark. Joe has six points. So you're up by one. If you can get your last question without taking the multiple choice options, you are guaranteed a win. All right. So it's three or nine, nine or three. The choice is yours. Let's go three. Going to go with question three. At the end of the film, Ryan Gosling's character, Jared Bennett, receives a bonus for all of his swap sales. How much was his bonus? Oh, I know that one. Yeah, I don't know. Um... Options are available. Yeah, let's take the options. What's his bonus? $27 million, $47 million, $470 million, or $4.7 billion? Wow, that's all a lot more than I thought it would be. Uh, so I'm going to go with the lowest number, which was 27 million. It was 47 million dollars. Wow. So Joe, <laughs> we're in a similar situation. Yeah. If you can get your final question right without the options, you win. If you take the options, it's a tie and we go to the tiebreaker. Question nine is the last question on the board. It is supposedly your lucky number. And the question is, which late night TV host was considered for Brad Pitt's role as Ben Rickett? I, I have to take the choices. Jay Leno, John Stewart, Conan O'Brien, or John Oliver? John Stewart. It was Conan. Wow. Which means, Mark, Yay. you get victory by 1.76 is the final score. Congratulations. Wow. You've won this super fan quiz, so you are going to get all the merch that was promised to you. I, I, I must say I got a bit scared in the end. I, I, I didn't think Joe would get uh, that many right, so well done to him. Yeah, well, <laughs> all the ones I got right were stuff from the movie. There was a lot of questions that weren't really about watching the movie, which was kind of annoying, Chris. <laughs> I'm going to say that if Patrick had done the quiz, it maybe would have been more observational and you probably would have squeaked a victory there. But there's always a curveball, Joe. There's always variance, just True. as there is in poker, just as there is in life. Um, <laughs> but Mark, we're so glad you volunteered to be on the show. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you at the next EPT. And in the meantime, we'll get your details and we'll ship you your prizes. Well, thanks so much, guys. It was nice to be here. All right, my babies, that's just about all the time we've got for this week's show. Right as my voice started warming up. Look at that. Look what happens once 9 a.m. hits. Coming up next time, we've got a, got a read. Yeah, it is one of the Poker in the Ears book club episodes. Alex O'Brien, the science writer and poker player, recently published a book called The Truth Detective, now available from all good bookstores. Uh, I have already read it because Alex actually sent me an advanced copy. Joe, you have your copy of the book. So we will discuss The Truth Detective and talk to Alex. And we've wanted to have Alex on the show for a long time to talk about how she discovered poker, why she loves the game. Um, she's going to be the guest on next week's show. That's going to be the theme of next week's episode. Um, I'll be reading my autographed copy of the book. I was nice. lucky enough to get one from Alex in Vegas last week. So that's always extra motivation for me to read something is if you sign it for me, then all right, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it a spin. I'm going to say it's a, it's a, it's a fun read. It's a pretty easy read. I think cool. you'll enjoy it, Joe. Um, and in the meantime, 
uh, we will continue to take your superfan applications on Discord. I'm very excited, by the way. Someone has volunteered to watch the shit show of a movie that is Champagne and Bullets. That means Joe is going to be forced to watch it. That means Patrick is going to be forced to watch it. That is going to be one of my favorite superfan contests, and it might be the last episode of this year. So more on that next week. And again, if you want to comment on the show, you can use the podcast discussion channel on the PokerStars Discord server. And one last time, I will direct you to the fact that there is a link to that server in the podcast description. If you're not already a member, it is free to join. You don't have to download anything. You can access Discord, talk about the show, and apply to be a super fan. You don't have to be a professional poker player like Mark. Excellent. All right, my babies, that is all the time we have got for this one very long-winded, hopefully not too braggadocious, <laughs> episode of Poker in the Years. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Later.